name is Catherine and as part of Hope Church I head up the healing team which looks after the Sunday morning live prayer times on Facebook. Now it was during one of those prayer times that we found ourselves talking about dealing with feeling disconnected and it certainly is a horrible feeling when it happens. It's like the once strong link we had with God has suddenly disappeared and without that feeling of his presence with us, we can struggle with the idea of talking to him, believing he's not listening, feeling certain that he's gone silent, wondering why he's refusing to talk or answer our prayers or seeming just to not show his love. We can feel lost, confused, hopeless, doubting, fearful and even ashamed. And that sort of doubt, fear and shame can mean that we find it hard even then to reach out to other Christians and talk to them about it because we're worried about what they might think of us if we told them what was really going on in our head. And of course that only serves to reinforce our feelings of isolation and stuckness. Now it's important to acknowledge that none of us is immune to this happening. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. Truthfully, Countless Christians have gone through this experience. You may be in that place right now. But knowing that it's not uncommon isn't enough, is it? We need to know what to do when these feelings come up so that we don't need to feel stuck and fearful. Instead, we feel able to get up and start living again. So to do that, I'm going to spend a wee bit of time looking at what's going on when we're feeling disconnected, what the Bible says about our situation, and then finally, what do we do about it? So let's begin by thinking about all of those wretched feelings I was describing at the start. It's really no surprise that feeling disconnected is such a painful experience because right from Genesis onwards we are uncovering the story of a God who chose to create people in order to be in relationship with them. In Genesis chapter 1 we see that God chose to make men and women in his image. Chapter 2 gives us a bit more detail, so it tells us about how God created man first, looked at him, said it wasn't good for him to be alone, and then created woman from him. And then God took another moment, looked at his people, the pinnacle of his creation, and he said, now this is good. He was really pleased. And then we get into Genesis chapter 3. And we see God walking in the garden, calling out to Adam and Eve. He's intending on spending time with them. All of this picture shows us that we were made for connection, for intimacy, first with God and then with one another. So when we feel that our connection to him has been lost, of course it feels utterly wrong because it goes against our very wiring. But if we're made for connection, why could we end up feeling so separated from God? And why is it important that we understand this? Well, let's just stay where we are in Genesis chapter 3. Just before we read there about God walking in the garden, there's an interaction between Eve and the snake, and it says this. The snake was more cunning than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day it came to the woman and asked, did God tell you not to eat fruit from any tree in the garden? The woman answered, God said we could eat fruit from any tree in the garden except the one in the middle. He told us not to eat fruit from that tree or even to touch it. If we do, we will die. No, you won't, the snake replied. God understands what will happen on the day you eat fruit from, the tr from that tree. You'll see what you've done and you will know the difference between right and wrong. 
just as God does. Okay, well, we know where this is heading. Eve chooses to eat the fruit and persuades Adam to do the same. And suddenly this glorious pinnacle of God's creation is no longer in the garden, but cast out from it. Separation from everything they were made to fully and freely enjoy was now their painful reality. So what do we learn from this? We learn that Satan knows that we were made for connection with our Father God. So out of his twisted desires to always steal, kill and destroy, how does he try to bring destruction into this new and perfect world? When it goes after Adam and Eve's intimacy with God, the temptation he presented them with led them into sin and tore this union apart. Now it's the first story of disconnection and through it we see that it's always Satan's desire to see us separated from God. But here's the really important piece of information we need to put front and centre in all of this. Adam and Eve's removal from the garden, their separation from God's presence was not the end of the story, but its beginning. And it's here that our own experiences of feeling disconnected can gain hope. You see, although Genesis tells us about how the world first came to experience disconnection, there's been just a little bit of important history built up since then. Adam and Eve's choices in that moment meant they could no longer stay in God's presence. They lost the intimacy he designed for them and they had to experience the physical reality of separation. But God had a plan for restoration and that plan was Jesus. Adam and Eve had to live under the consequences of their mess. We don't have to live under the consequences of ours. Our circumstances are completely different and God has made sure of that. Through his death, Jesus became the sacrifice that paid for our mess, that dealt with the need for separation between us and God. Do you remember what we're told happened in the temple in Jerusalem at the moment Jesus died? Well, in Matthew 27, it refers to the curtain that normally hung in the temple, separating the people from the most holy place where God dwelt. Now, we read that as Jesus died, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. And this miraculous act symbolised the new reality that was then in place. There was no longer a barrier between God and his people. The time of separation was over. The connection between God and his people had been restored. Under the new covenant made by him through Jesus' blood, they had full access, total intimacy with him, and nothing could ever break that connection again. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So think about it. If we don't accept Jesus, we don't get to share in that restored connection with God. But, and here's the key bit, when we've chosen to accept God and we surrender our lives to him, the joy is that we are permanently connected to him. Because of that, we can say this, feelings of disconnection are exactly as they are described, feelings, rather than a fact or reality. They're a lie from Satan that can distract us from trusting and working with God. We are in a spiritual battle, folks, one which I think we can sometimes forget is going on. 
Satan was absolutely and categorically defeated at the cross, but he is going down fighting. And I suspect he's a bit of a one-trick pony when it comes to his tactics. He went after humankind's connection with God at the beginning of creation, and he's still trying to wreck it today. Never mind that Jesus dealt with it all, he's still trying to do as much damage as he can whilst he can. Why? Well, because when we feel and believe ourselves to be disconnected, we stop, we hold back. In my own experience, every time that I went through distressing seasons of feeling disconnected, I held back. I held back in my worshipping, in my serving. I held back in giving and receiving love fully. I held back in reading my Bible, in connecting with my Christian brothers and sisters. I held back in seeking God's will and I believed myself to be lost to the circumstance. I believed myself to be broken and not worthy of attention or love anymore. I didn't know how I could ever find my way back to the connection I once had with God. I felt like I was in this imploding, hopeless situation. What about today? Well, today I understand that whilst feeling those feelings were strong, they were real and they were upsetting, they were keeping my attention off my reality and presenting me with a fake perspective. What do I mean by that? I mean that whilst I felt disconnected, at no point was I ever actually removed from God's presence or from God's love. How do I know this? Because in John chapter 10, starting at verse 27, we read Jesus' final say on the matter. He says, My sheep know my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life so that they will never be lost. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father gave them to me and he is greater than all others. No one can snatch them from his hands and I am one with the father. However disconnected I felt, however real and awful it was, however long it went on for, this truth remained. I was in God's hands and I could not be snatched from them. Snatched implies someone trying to steal us away, but Jesus is adamant. No one, not even Satan, has the authority to do that. Yes, whilst he can't do that, he will do what he can. Distract us, stall us, slow us down. Anything to stop us living out the life God has called us to live, for his glory and in his goodness. Ephesians chapter 6 is probably the most familiar passage to all of us on spiritual warfare. It explains the situation that we need to recognise we're in and also how we need to respond to it. So verses 12 to 13 tell us this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. There's the goal we're to aim for, tucked right at the end of those two verses, that we may stand our ground, and after we've done everything, stand. This is a tough one because when we're feeling disconnected, when the struggle is so very real and so very painful and has gone on for so long, what do we want most? To not feel that way anymore. For a solution that quickly and finally eases the long periods of pain and struggle. 
But the Apostle Paul is telling us to firstly be expectant of troubles and secondly to not live in fear of them but instead to equip ourselves with the weapons available to withstand these wars. Okay, so we know why feeling disconnected hurts so much and we also know that it's a familiar tactic within the spiritual battles we're going to face. Now we need to look at weapons we can wield to withstand even the fiercest of storms. Now I think there's probably quite a few things we can do. I'm just going to pick out three for us to focus on today. And here's the first. Number one, let's ask God for wisdom about what's going on. Now we know and we've already covered that as Christians our sin and mess can no longer separate us from God. But feelings of shame, unforgiveness and fear can make it hard to draw close to him. So if you're concerned that there is something you need to deal with, then I encourage you to approach your loving Father God and ask him for insight and help. Just as the prodigal son came home and submitted in humility to his father, only to be lavished with love and acceptance, you'll be treated in the same way. But if when you do ask, God doesn't bring anything to your attention, then trust that it is because there's nothing there to deal with. Don't live in fear or condemnation. Move on. It's just a distraction. So that's number one. Ask God for wisdom about what's going on. Number two, let's get to know the truth. Truth about who God is and about who we are in him. Without this knowledge becoming deeply rooted in us, we don't have a measure by which to spot the lies when they come our way. Learning the truth starts with reading our Bibles, but not just reading a passage every day. Now that is good and consistency is great. However, reading doesn't automatically mean learning and growing. Jesus was always so scathing of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who knew the scriptures better than anyone, but they weren't being changed by them. We have to put what we read to good use. Getting to know our Bible should ultimately bring us into a deeper relationship with God as we learn about his character, his expectations, his desires, his promises. When we know these, it's easier to spot the lies that distract us from him. So here are three things about the practical tips about getting stuck into our Bibles. Number one, make our practice consistent. Number two, make our practice purposeful. And number three, make our practice vulnerable. So number one, make our practice in reading our Bible consistent. Yes, that is still a good thing. So yes, doing it consistently, whether for you it's first thing in the morning, whether it's finding a quiet time when you're coming towards the end of the day or somewhere in between, whatever works best for you, making it consistent and, and committing ourselves to it is a good, good thing. Number two, then making our practice purposeful. So rather than just opening our Bible at a random page or just towards scriptures that feel familiar and cosy to us, let's find ways of exploring it more systematically. 2 Timothy 3 says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's get stuck into all of it. Find a great online or hard copy devotional from a reputable Christian teacher if that helps you to start going. It gives you some questions to work on, things to think about. Ask for advice from other Christians if you're not sure where to start. And then thirdly, I said, make your practice vulnerable. So what do I mean by that? 
Well, time alone with God is invaluable and we do need to listen to learn how to listen to God for ourselves. That's true. However, we also do not want to underestimate the power and necessity of meeting together with other Christians. Now, whether that's in person or online, whether it's through our Sunday services and hearing preachers, whether that's getting together in small groups and doing Bible study, whether that's linking up with other Christians to be able to talk about Christian books that we're reading and teaching that we're getting familiar with. When we do those things, we get to hear other ideas, our own perspectives, our own ideas, possibly incorrect assumptions, they all get challenged. And as a result of that, that iron sharpening iron, we get to grow. More than that as well, in coming into that place of humility, being ready to share and to hear others share back again, we build connection. And if you remember what I said at the beginning, you know, disconnection with God can often lead us to feel disconnected from others. And so one of the most positive things we can do is to find ways in which we can connect with others, to be open and honest with them. And getting to know our Bibles together is a great way to do that. Because through those connections, we get encouragement, hope and faith, and we get to give it in return when others most need it as well. So we've said, first of all, ask God for wisdom. We've said, secondly, get to know the truth. And then finally, learning how to wield what we are gaining from the Bible as a weapon. Now, Ephesians 6 talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we see Jesus using this so well. He's the perfect example of this. When he was in the wilderness and Satan was trying to tempt him, Jesus used his, used his knowledge of scripture to remind himself of who God is and what that meant for him. Three times Satan tries to distract Jesus, just like he'd done with Eve. And three times Jesus came right back with a scripture that ensured he remained focused and faithful in spite of the battle. So how do we do this? Learning scriptures, being able to recall verses is an important skill. It's not one I've personally been good at in the past. Sure, I knew lots of what was vaguely said. You know, there's a verse that says something about but actually being able to stand on it confidently and declare it for my situation, less so. I've been working on both learning verses and declaring truths about who I am this year. And I encourage you to do the same. For me, finding verses that stick out to me, stick out to me and strengthen me has been great. I've been writing them down and I read them regularly and I speak them out loud as well. You know, and Christian authors like Steve Backland are great to read if you want to know more about how to take Bible verses and learn how to declare them as truth for you. But here's a couple to get you started. They're based on scriptures and they are focused on rejecting any feelings of shame and condemnation that we don't want to be living under and also reminding ourselves that we are always connected to God. So here we go. This is the first one. I am free. All condemnation has gone because I have been forgiven and made righteous by my God. And here's number two. I am a son or daughter of Father God. My father's love is here for me, is, is for me, is here to stay, and there is nothing I can do to stop it. Let me say that one again. I am a son or daughter of Father God. My father's love for me is here to stay, and there is nothing I can do to stop it. Proverbs 18 tells us that the power of life is in the tongue, so that's why we get declaring. Speak out the verses you're learning, don't just read them on the page. Speak out the declarations that you're writing based on this biblical truth. 
Another way in which you can learn how to speak out truth is to seek out worship songs that are based on the words of scripture and listen to them, sing them out. Sing out songs that speak about who God is, creator, healer, restorer, redeemer, counsellor, faithful friend, father, brother, the good shepherd, the rock. There's a few to pick from. If actually right now where you're at you can't even sing, then listen. Surround yourself with worship music, let it seep into your thoughts and eventually it will start to pour out of your mouth. The Bible tells us we've not left his, left his hands and that God never changes. He is still deserving of worship. Our feelings, noisy and tumultuous though they may well be, do not change his state or ours. So worship, sing, be bold, declare it. In my darkest times, when I felt utterly hopeless and far from God, when I felt disconnected and when even, even the Bible seemed impossible, I was able to pull on songs I'd been learning and singing for years, singing their truths over and over in spite of the tears or the pain until I finally came to a place in life where once again I saw their reality played out in my life. Feeling disconnected is painful and it is real. There is nothing to be gained in denying it or just hoping it's going to go away. It's a reminder that we are in a spiritual battle but one for which God has given us the knowledge and skills to equip us to stand and after all else to stand. If this subject has raised questions for you, you're welcome to contact us and we'll be glad to help and encourage you. If you've got great experiences of how you've learned to stand in these battles, we'd love to hear them too. You can reach us through our Facebook page or at hopechurchclasgo.org.